Well, welcome to all of you who are joining us. Here we are on chapter 16 or the 16th teaching. The title of our chapter 16 is With All Your Mind, Our Emotions. So we're in the process here of considering the five components of the human person that Jesus outlined in Mark 12, 29 to 31. Remember that Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So there we have five components of the human person as God created us. And in this session, as we seek further understanding on the mind, we just say again that we are viewing the mind when Jesus spoke of the mind, the human mind, we are viewing it as being composed of thoughts and emotions. So in our last session, we talked about thoughts. How can we understand the process of our thoughts being reformed in the likeness of Christ? And in this session, we want to explore further about the emotions. How do we go forward in a process following the teaching of Jesus that allows him and the Holy Spirit, his spirit, to transform our emotions. We've chosen as a subtitle of this chapter the description of the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians 5, 22 and the first part of verse 23. So let me just read that so that we have this in front of us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So that fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reproduces in us as we allow him to do so. And obviously that fruit comes from his being. So that fruit indicates to us, suggests to us, outlines for us, kind of an overview of the kind of person God is. And that fruit is filled with emotional implications. We want to next just kind of note from Scripture that God has emotions. The Scriptures speak of characteristics of God which are accompanied by emotions. Now, let me read these to you. You can say, well, now, these really are characteristics rather than emotions, and that would be true. But they are characteristics that obviously have a significant emotional content to them. So it doesn't leave us wondering whether or not God has emotions. The scriptures make it clear that God does have emotions. So the scriptures tell us that God, for example, is love, that God knows joy, that God creates peace, that God exercises patience, that God is kind that God is good, that God is faithful, that God is gentle. And you can see so far we have just kind of paralleled the components of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, other biblical passages that affirm these are characteristics of God. Further, the scriptures tell us God can be pleased, God can be grieved, God can become angry. God can lay down his anger. God is forgiving. God initiates reconciliation with his enemies. 
God shows mercy. Now, that list is only a sample. If we wanted to take more time, we could list other passages that indicate to us characteristics of God that are pregnant with emotion. But I think that's enough to make the point. God has emotions. Human beings are created in God's image. We too have emotions. So the fact that we have emotions is simply part of us being created in God's image. God intended that we experience our emotions to be healthy, beautiful, delightful. So imagine for a moment Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall. They were experiencing emotions. And they were experiencing emotions as God designed those emotions to be experienced, filled with beauty, filled with health, filled with delight. A foundational part of the enjoyment, delight, well-being that God intended human life to be. The fruit which characterizes the Holy Spirit gives insight into God's emotions. The Spirit forms these in people who allow him to do so. The components of this fruit of the Spirit, by the way, the fruit of the Spirit is singular, so these are not fruits, they are components of the one fruit. The components of this one fruit are best understood as conditions of a person who is walking with God. So it's best to understand, for example, love not in the first instance as an emotion, but in the first instance as a condition of the person. But it is a condition that is accompanied by emotions. Love is more than a feeling. It is a quality of relationship. It is something that one person chooses to express toward another. Certain feelings accompany it. But some of our emotions may not be in the state God intended for them. Sin damages. So here we are introduced to the very real reality of wounded emotions or damaged emotions. And this is really crucial for us to know how to deal with because there is no true reforming of our person in Christ-likeness without the healing and reforming of our damaged emotions. Damaged emotions or wounds within us, emotional wounds, can be very strong and they can be frightfully uncontrollable. I wonder if we can think of a time when we were in the presence of another person who was experiencing damaged emotions that were very strong and frightfully uncontrollable. Maybe we can remember times when we ourselves have been expressing that kind of emotion. I know that I certainly can. Boy, it isn't hard for me to look back on my life and remember times when I was venting damaged emotions that were very strong and, to a significant degree, uncontrollable. In our current cultural environment in the Western world, emotions are considered to be valid simply because they exist. Now, think about that. Because if it's possible to behave out of wounded emotions, and if the understanding is that any emotion, whatever it is, if it exists, it's valid, think of the danger that that makes possible and think of the damage that that can cause. If I feel it, 
I have the right to express it. How dare you even suggest that I don't have the right to express what I am feeling? Now, this is prevalent, this viewpoint, in the social context in which we find ourselves. This idea is rooted in a belief system that sees human beings as autonomous. There are no absolutes except what man, beginning from himself, arbitrarily selects. So the very suggestion that there are absolutes can itself trigger wounded emotions and the expression of wounded emotions. I reject all forms of absolutes. I am my own absolute. I decide what is absolute. You can decide what you think is absolute. I can accept it or not. But don't try to impose your absolutes on me. So man, beginning from himself, arbitrarily selects his own absolutes. Now, this viewpoint lacks any appreciation of potential danger in life. Acting autonomously can feel good for the moment. You know, the moment... In the very moment when I am declaring my independence, my autonomy, it can feel good. But it can result in real damage, not only to myself, but to those around me. So contrast this frame of mind with the belief system that Jesus taught. This is what Jesus teaches us. Man is created by God to be like him. Some choices that I make result in life functioning well, and some choices that I make cause harm. Now, to give an example in the material world, take, for example, the engine of my car. The engine of my car is designed, or you can say it's created, for oil. If I keep the oil topped up, the engine will function well. If I drain the oil, I will ruin the engine. But wait a minute. This is my car. I paid for it. It belongs to me. I can do with it whatever I want. Who are you to tell me what I need to do with my car? Well, that's true enough. But if I choose to treat my car in ways for which it was not designed, I can damage it or even ruin it. So I think that's clear to us. And there's all kind of examples around us in the material world. Those objects were created or designed by their original designer to function in a certain way. The object comes with instructions. So in order to use it correctly, we read the instruction book and we follow the instructions. Why? Not because somebody's telling us what to do, but because this is how it was designed. This is the way our emotions work. It's the way all of life works. God is the manufacturer of my person. He's the designer. If I choose to act in ways contrary to how I was designed, I can damage myself and others. So here is God. He's given us the instruction book, the scriptures. But he did more than that. He sent Jesus to live out and to clarify the way of life, the way that human life was designed to function, the way my emotions are designed to function. This raises the question for us. We want to understand more about our emotions. How do we go about pursuing that? How does this go further? 
In Matthew 5, verses 21 to 48, Jesus tells us to avoid seven behaviors which negatively impact emotional health. Now, in Matthew chapter 5, of course, Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. And when Jesus tells us about these seven behaviors, he's doing more than just talking to us about our emotions. But it occurs to me that these seven behaviors that Jesus outlines in Matthew 5 have very strong emotional content and implications. And if I live according to the way Jesus is teaching me, it's going to lead to beautiful, healthy, God-ordained emotions. If I violate what Jesus is saying, it's going to result in wounded, negative, painful, dysfunctional emotions. So what are these seven behaviors? Well, the first is anger. Interesting that Jesus starts out with his description of what life is like in the kingdom of God by talking about anger. My anger is aroused when my will is crossed. I feel a strong desire to hit back, but I can learn that I am not required to give in to every feeling. Just because I feel it doesn't mean that it's to my advantage to express it. Jesus placed anger in the same category with murder and contempt. All three are behaviors of violence toward others. Murder, anger, and contempt. Now, I think that often, not always, people recognize that anger is not good. Not everybody. But in our present context, it seems to me that so many, even those who self-identify as Christians, feel total freedom to express contempt toward another person and seem to have almost no understanding that Jesus actually taught how damaging contempt really is. Anger negatively marks all who experience it the perpetrator, the victim, and the bystander. It is not pleasant to be around someone who regularly vents anger. So anger is damaging from a number of points of view. It's damaging to the person who vents the anger. It's damaging to the person who is the recipient of that venting. It's also damaging to those who experience it, to the bystanders. I remember not long ago, Hannah and I were on a train in Germany, and it was a train, we were in a wagon that was designated to be quiet. People weren't supposed to be using their mobile phones in there. And sitting right next to a big sign that says, don't use your mobile phone, this man was talking in a loud voice on his mobile phone. And there was a woman sitting near him who was reading her book. And she got up and she just vented anger, <laughs> expressed really deep anger that he was disturbing her from reading her book. And, you know, Hannah and I, all we were doing, we were just sitting there listening to all this, but we were marked by it. And so anger not only has its immediate causes, but when anger is a part of how we relate to others, it will impact 
our relationships. Because being around an angry person is not enjoyable. There are better strategies for achieving my desired ends than anger. Whatever I think I can achieve by anger can be achieved better without it. So if we find that we have developed the habit of using anger as a strategy to get what we want, probably good to rethink that because there are better strategies for achieving what we want to achieve. We were not created for anger. Anger is death-producing rather than life-giving. The way of Jesus is a different way. So what do I do with my anger? Do I stuff it? No, that will only push it down and it will pop out again at some unguarded moment. God's way is not to suppress negative emotions, but to transform them. Let's pray together and then we'll pick this up again in our next session. Lord Jesus, the disciples said, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Lord, we want to say the same thing. You have the words of life. That which you spoke is so true, so life-giving. You're the creator. You understand how we were designed. Teach us your way, Lord. Heal our emotions. Make us whole. Form Christ in us. We pray this Spirit of God in Jesus' name. Amen.